You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Like a poorly stacked house of cards, it's Tech Fan Podcast 150. Tim Robertson, David Cohen. And like I said, this is Tech Fan number 150. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. Hello from Blomageddon. <laughs> Blomageddon. <laughs> we've, had, we've, had we've had three storms in one week here, and the whole country is kind of losing its, um, losing its mind. Oh, geez, you should be here. People I know. lost their mind a well, long time is- ago. This is this is the thing. I mean, you know, we it's it's bad for the UK, and we've got some flooding and stuff. And I, I feel sorry for the people who who are flooded. But compared to what a lot of other people get, it's pretty mild, really. I, actually, they have been reporting on the flooding uh, where you, you know in your area here in the United States as well. So I've seen it, and uh, no, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, but you know, I, I I've seen pictures in the past of like the whole of Mississippi virtually underwater. So it, sure. You know, sure, but that doesn't make it any easier when you no, happening I, to I, you. I think it would suck. The the problem here is a lot of people live far too close to rivers. Yeah, you know, right. if you live close to a river, you are going to get flooded at some. It's point. It's going to happen. Absolutely. We uh, a lot a lot of Facebook of my friends uh, on Facebook. A lot of my friends have been posting comparative photos from the blizzard we got in 1978, which I remember um, yeah. compared to now, and they're very similar. The difference being though. When we got the the big hit in '78, and again, I, I remember when this happened. It all came down within like a, a 48 hour period. <laughs> yeah. So we got around the same amount of snow, but a little less this time. But the difference is, it all happened basically at once then, and for us now, it's been about a, you know a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So you can deal with it when you get a little at a time, even though you start running out of space, which we have. But when it hits you all at once, that's something different. That that closed towns, literally. Well, wasn't isn't isn't a difference now though that people expect to move around a lot more. They expect their lives not to stop. Whereas in the past, we you know when things like that would happen, you just accepted you weren't going anywhere, you weren't going to go to work, to school, you just stayed at home and you waited it out. Whereas now, people want to carry on with their lives. Well, I think people are more prepared now than they were in the past. Yeah. You know, everyone has so much more access to information. Uh, we all have phones now that tell us, you know, and gives us warnings when bad weather is hitting. Have, has that ever happened to you with your iPhone? Uh, no, we don't have that system turned on here in the UK yet. Oh, wow. But, uh, I mean, we're, because we're so much of a smaller country, our, you know, our national news is actually able to give quite specific. Your, your national news is pretty much local news. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, in, if, if we watch the national news, they can give us a weather map for the whole of the UK in one go with the colors and all of that on that that tells us where the bad places are going to be. And then obviously you can supplement that with your local news. So there's, there's less call for that sort of thing here, whereas uh, obviously the US being much geographically much wider apart, you need good local 
information and if your local uh, news station can't give you that for one reason or another um, because it's not geared up to or you know it wants to run, run the prices right reruns or whatever uh, you do need kind of a federal system to make sure that you ha- you're getting that information here it's less of an issue well this is a system that is built into the weather channels app and mm-hmm. i didn't even know that it did this i was driving this was maybe six seven eight months ago i was driving back from chicago and the area i was heading into they were getting heavy storms and they had a flash flood um was it a warning whatever it was and it would but this it was happening that wasn't going to affect the highway where, where i was but as soon as i moved into that area my phone recognized where i was this app threw up this warning on my screen the app wasn't even running and it made this horrible eh, sound like whoa right. what's going on it definitely got my attention and it's done that twice yeah, to and, me and, then and when i thought you that was kind of cool climbed out the car wreck and yeah. looked around. <laughs> <laughs> wow that was awesome my phone was telling me i was about to get in a car wreck that was incredible <laughs> How did it know? <laughs> but those are kind of things that, you know, you need governments oh, oh, to well, do. Well, just over a year ago, I wish I'd had that when I drove yeah. into a, in a hailstorm and did crash the car. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, if I'd have had uh, up to up uh, up to the minute warning of that, I could have pulled over and avoided uh, a whole load of pain. So is there any update? Last week you were talking about trading in your car because the warranty did not cover. Uh, it's a selective warranty where they get to select what is what is and what isn't covered and 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 it apparently turns out that because the fault is in some electronics that are in the handle they view the handle as a cosmetic piece that's not covered of course even though they've stuffed the handle with electronics yes of course that's, that's exactly it so no the day after um i discussed we we were we were out somewhere we were in uh, we were in the um in the car and uh, I, I mentioned what was going on to my wife again, and and uh, she said we actually saw a, a, a like a billboard by the side of the road for a, a new model of Nissan. So she said, "Oh, I've always fancied uh, one of those. If, they, if they've got a new model out, maybe the old ones uh, gone down in price. We should go and have a look at a, a second-hand one." So we went up to the dealership that day, and within an hour, we'd bought a new car. Wow! So um, it's gone. It's gone. We uh, we we changed it last week. That'll learn them. So, uh, yeah, that exactly. Well, you know, I'm still trying to get the um, the dealership to to give me the eighty five pound um, diagnostic fee that they charged me for plugging a port reader into the car to tell me that the lock didn't work, which I already knew. So um, yeah, good that, luck with that. Yeah, well, you know, you make a nuisance of yourself, you'll probably get it back. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm quite good at that. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, quite a bit of things going on here. This is our 150th episode, which, <clears throat> you know, we haven't been big into celebrating milestones, but the last time I've done a podcast that hit 150 episodes was the My Mac podcast, and that was yeah. October of 2007, and we were, the, the show was Waiting for Leopard. And I did it with, I don't know where, well, two th- fe- October 2007, I guess you would have st- been doing uh fenestration at that point or no i think so yeah yeah that would it have been pretty early because you got into it in 2007 but i did that show with donnie yankelow and rich lefko and uh that seems like a long long time ago and it is i mean that's yeah that's that's quite a, a quite a bit of history there 
but having said that, I mean, you talk about waiting for Leffert. I'm sorry, we were on Tiger that point uh, for the Mac operating system, which is is pretty much classed as a vintage a computer running at Tiger nowadays. And it's only, uh, what, six, seven years ago? Yeah. Yeah, which isn't a long time, really, in the grand scheme of things. Seven years ago, waiting for yeah. Leopard. And it, I don't know, in some respects, I look at that episode and I think, man, that was a long time ago. Rich Lefko and Donnie Yankelow still contribute at MyMac.com. They're still writers there. Um, but, man, that was seven years ago. But Leopard doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Not really. But, yet, but look how I mean, look how much stuff has changed mm. in that, in that very short time. Yeah. You know, in October of 2007, uh, I had an iPhone at that point. My first iPhone. I still have that iPhone. It's sitting a foot and a half away from my arm right now. But it was a, there was a lot of differences between now and then. Well, there was no iPad. No. Look, I mean, to to me, that what kind of illustrates the difference is that, is that the iPhone was obviously was a very big thing and it, but it, it kind of had a slow burn launch. You know, they, they started quite expensive and, um, you know, they had fairly, by by today's standards, fairly conservative sales goals for that first year. Yeah. Um, and and so it, it was it was a year or two before it was clear that the iPhone was was starting to transform an industry. But the thing is, when the iPad came along, I mean, it, it overtook desktop and mobile computing overnight. Uh, and and I'd, I'd argue it still has today. There is still this now this whole new sector of touchscreen computers that wasn't there in two thousand and seven. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I saw a report that Apple, and they're including iPad and iPhone as computing devices, which I actually think they should. So they're lumping them in with Macs. And in Q3, 2013, Apple sold more computing devices than Microsoft sold PCs worldwide. However, if you add in all the Windows phone, it's almost equal. That is a staggering statistic to me. That Apple is that big when you include iPad, iPhone, and Mac all together as a computing device. That they're now beating global PC sales. Mm. What what does that mean to you, David? Well, I was kind of I I I did kind of um, muse on this this morning. Uh, we're going away next week. We're going up on a, for a kind of a vacation retreat to a, a house we've been offered in Northumberland, which is about three hundred miles from where we live. When it's you on say you've been offered as as a vacation house to go to, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. So so um, we've been loaned the house, and you know we can go out there for a week. It's on the beach. Um, there are castles and uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's lots of things to do for the kids up there. So we're going to be up there for a week next week. The kids are off school. Um, and I obviously, you know, I'm planning about what we're going to take and given the time of year, I want to make sure we've got plenty of stuff for the children to do at home um, in case we can't go out of the weather's particularly bad and that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I got a cable so that I can hook my MacBook air up to the uh, HDTV that I know they have there. So it's, nice and easy for me to put video onto the TV for the kids anytime I want to. I don't need to worry about formats or anything like that because I'm running it on a, on a Mac rather than an iPad. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, connecting an iPad to a TV, you have to 
buy some quite expensive cables to do that. So I figured I'd do it with a MacBook Air. And then I thought to myself, and I'm thinking this this morning, oh, well, you know, what happens if I need to do some writing or I need to do some emails for work and that sort of thing, and, and I haven't got the computer? Uh, and then I kind of mentally slapped myself in the forehead and said, well, I'll just do it on the iPad. And really, there is so much you can do on on those sorts of devices now that you can't that you don't need to have the full big computer for. No. And I think that's a real big difference. That is a huge difference that you can have a, a very light, very um, compact, basically electronic slab of glass that allows you to do so much now that you don't need the big computer for. Well, one of the things that Guy Searle has been trying to do for the last number of years at Macworld Expos, or iWorld Expo, whatever it's called now, I think it's still called Macworld Expo, is do the whole thing, the podcast and everything, sans computer. Mm -hmm. And he's been able to do it. He's had to jump through some hoops, and he just had uh, uh, an episode on the MyMac podcast about doing this. And yes, you can do it, but he's still jumping through hoops. And that's unfortunate that it's still not quite there yet, though, David. Now, that's a very specific usage. But for the most part, I would say you could probably do 75% of whatever you need to get done on an iPad now. But there's still that 25% that's just not there. So I don't see desktop computing, or, and I count laptops as desktop computing. Yeah. Uh, That's not going away anytime soon. And Apple even came out and reiterated that fact that the Mac's not going anywhere. So I think that's no, interesting. And, and why should it? I, I, it's, it, it, yeah, it's about using the right tool for the job. Yep. Uh, the, 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 the metaphor I'd use, if you imagine having a, a toolbox versus a Leatherman multi-tool, you could do an awful lot with a Leatherman multi-tool. It's amazing that you can do so much, so many jobs with, with a tool that small. Um, but each of those jobs will not necessarily be as comfortable or as easy to do as they would be if you had big saws and screwdrivers and all separate power tools and all of that sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, I think the iPad and the computer is exactly like that. The, there's an awful lot you can do with the iPad where it does it just fine. And then there are those edge cases. And in my own example, yeah, I could hook my iPad up to the TV, but I need to spend probably you know, 50 pounds on cables to, to do that. Uh, uh, all right, I need to take an Apple TV with me and another device or something like that. And then it would work. Whereas with the Mac, it's cheaper and easier and less hassle to do it. So those are those, those, are those sorts of areas where uh, you can't necessarily dump all the computers and just have a, a tablet. But, you know, they're great complementary devices. Let me ask you, David, do you have, do you have a, an iPhone 5S, right? No, just a 5, not a 5S. Okay. I'm having some issues with my 5S, which is it seems to have forgotten what my fingerprint is. And I've looked online, and it looks like this is kind of a common problem with these. That mm-hmm. you have to put your finger on multiple times for it to start reading it. Now, it's really good at, le- at uh, reading my left thumb. But my right thumb, which is what I usually use to unlock my phone, it's probably 25%. And so last week, I went and, and redid it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that'll solve it. Nope, same thing. So I don't know what's going on with the iPhone 5S that it keeps forgetting my my thumbprint. Do you, is there any is there any chance that that when you actually try and unlock using the the thumb at a different angle than when you try and store it? No, I've done it multiple times, different angles, you name it. Uh, the edge of my thumb, the front of my thumb, the flat of my thumb, 
I've done it all. And it just, I, I usually do it the, exactly the same way. And for whatever reason, it, it's hit or miss. I'll try it right now. Put my thumb right on it. Yep, it worked. I'll try it again. Yep, worked that time. So now it's just being an ass because I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that is kind of an issue. And um, I, I don't know why it's doing it. It's pretty yeah. odd. It's not like I my hands aren't clean or I've got a new scar or anything like that on my thumb. But it's just weird. Assuming, assuming your hands aren't changing, it could be that the sensor technology in the phone wears out over time. Or it changes its characteristics, which is what confuses the... Uh, confuses yeah. the the electronics it'd be interesting to see when the uh, next iphone is read whether um, there's any functional changes to that device that part of the device we're getting a little gsm buzz from your phone by the way um uh, let me throw it down the other end of the yeah, table I try, try, try not to see if you can uh nope it's on the floor again yeah, i heard it that time <laughs> <laughs> somebody polish a table <laughs> yeah they're they're buffing it so <laughs> <laughs> so some big news here in the United States. Uh, this doesn't affect you guys over in the UK, but it does on a philosophical question. Um, but the news is Comcast is looking to buy Time Warner Cable. Mm-hmm. And this would ostensibly mean Comcast would then own a third of all high-speed internet traffic customers in the United States. I've got a big problem with this. I... I you know, it's got to go through regulations. It's got to be approved. And there's a good chance that it won't be. You remember here in the United States a little over a year ago, AT&T tried to buy T-Mobile. Uh-huh. And T-Mobile wanted it. AT&T wanted it. But they were shot down. The regulator yeah. said no. There's a good chance that could happen here as well. But, yeah, you know, when you get one big cable internet provider wanting to buy another one, now, of course, Comcast is coming out and saying, no, this is great for customers. It's, it will foster innovation. You know, this is... Uh... Well, you see, that's, that's where I come adrift from this. I mean, here in the UK, we, we already have effectively one big monopoly yep. on, on broadband because BT, formerly British Telecom, pretty much owns all the infrastructure in the UK. Very, most of it anyway. The main competitor for broadband is Virgin Media, who... Um, Effectively, they in the in the early nineties there was probably four or five different cable TV providers who had limited coverage, and they all kind of got bought up and merged into what has now become Virgin Media. Uh-huh. Um, they're the principal competitor for BT, but obviously they don't have full one hundred percent coverage. So any time that you want to go to say Virgin Media and there's no TV cable. Uh, running nearby and tv cable is nowhere near as prevalent here as it is in the u.s right then then what virgin have to do is they have to go and buy from a different part of bt access to the local telephone exchange and run dsl from there um so bt has kind of been compartmentalized but effectively the bt broadband offering is the primary broadband offering here in the uk now for some reason and i'm not sure why despite the fact that you have sort of two very large players um we actually have a very competitive market here with very good speeds and pretty low certainly prices much less than you pay um 
Do you if have regulations, though? Is the we question. have, we have, we have regulations. Yeah, see, a lot, a lot of people don't like our regulations. Say that our regulator could do more, but I would say our regulator must have slight, certainly better teeth. We we don't have the same amount of regulatory lobbying that you have, and I think that's the difference. What really underscores to me about how this is probably a lousy deal for U.S. broadband customers is when um, is when um, Comcast come out and say, oh, yeah, don't worry. This is going to be great for customers. It's going to be great for everything. Oh, by the way, don't expect your bills to go down. No, in fact, they've already said that. They said this doesn't <laughs> yeah. assure that the, the prices are going to go down. Um, they still see prices going up, and it won't even slow down the price increases. I'm like, it, really? And, and you know what? So, so what's, what's in it for the customer? Nothing. There's what? nothing in it for the customer. There must be economies of scale of doing that. And you, it, it basically what that says is, yeah, whatever – the savings we make from doing this, and there will be savings because there always is when you merge two companies. You only need one set of infrastructure, one set of engineers, one set of HR, one set of finance. Um, whatever savings we generate out of those, straight to the shareholders. Screw you guys. Yeah. Screw you customers. And where else are you going to go? And that's the problem with business in the US. We, we get it to a degree here in the UK, but certainly in the US, I think there's a lot of, way, lot of businesses that operate like that. And it's like, that's not the way it's done. It's not the way it should be done. I agree. And unfortunately, it's just business as usual here in the United States when it comes to these kind of things. Um, it sure does seem like there's not enough people looking out for the little guy. You know, the, the people who pay taxes, that pay for the telephone poles and the infrastructure in this country, that these companies are backboning on and charging exorbitant rates. But, you know, I've seen my electricity bill... Uh, double over the last 10 years my gas bill triple over the last 10 years my cable bill double over the last 10 years everything has gone up but the quality yeah. hasn't i'm not getting any better electricity or or natural gas and in some respects the cable has gotten better the speeds are about the same at least in everyday use maybe a little bit faster i get a lot more channels but most of them are you know, crap. Yeah. I've got the brand new cutting edge X1 system from Comcast. It's the new Infinity Box. And it lets you record, I don't know, four shows at once and watch another one. Uh, it doesn't work right half the time. It doesn't record shows when it's supposed to. Um, customer service is terrible there. Yeah. It, it's, I, there has to be more competition. Yeah, well, or th this is, if they can't yeah. have competition, there needs to be regulation. So there's a recourse. Yeah, well, you, you need well, you really need both. That's the point. Is is you yeah. need uh, you need to have both. And uh, you know, despite I mean, some of my experiences, despite me just singing the praises of uh, Ofcom and and broadband here in the UK, I just switched from Virgin Media to BT. I switched to BT Infinity, which is fiber to the home. Well, mm -hmm. fiber to the cabinet anyway, and the cabinet's right outside my house, so it's virtually the same as fiber to the home. And it's it's faster than I had with Virgin. And the reason, principal reason I switched is Virgin were always very aggressively throttling my connection. So as soon as I started using it for anything heavy, uh, it slowed down. So I switched to BT. Um, BT's slightly more expensive. When I call up Virgin to cancel them, they say, well, why are you switching? I say, well, I'll switch to BT. Oh, well... We could have given you the same speeds of BT and without throttling for less money. And I'm thinking, well, you knew. We I said, well, I said to them actually. I said, well, you knew you were throttling me. You've got it there in the system. You're throttling me. So why don't you call me up and tell me that? 
I said, it's too late now. BT are already here. <laughs> you know? So, I, I, yes, I'm going to cancel. And then three, four times they called me back trying to talk me out of cancelling. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, well, that, the, the, that barn door has been, has been slammed in your face, unfortunately. And yet I've switched to BT, and unfortunately the wireless router they've given me as part of the package. Two problems with it. First of all, in the evening it seems to start glitching. And dropping things off the uh, off the internet. I don't know whether that's because somebody's try else is trying to hit it or not. Uh, but secondly, by default, out of the box, it comes configured to as well as offering me my private connection to actually share my Wi-Fi connection out to public BT Open Zone customers. Yes, the uh, K- uh, Comcast does the same thing here in the United right. States. I know, I knew that they did that. That's been a, a long-standing, not so secret secret. Uh, I went and turned mine off, and uh, most people don't know how to do it. Well, this is—I went to turn it off on mine, and um, it took probably about half an hour of browsing the internet trying to figure out how to get it turned off. Yeah, it took me about that um, long. Yeah, and and in fact, I've I've actually come to with the glitching now. I've come to the conclusion that best thing to do is do what I did with the Virgin one because the Virgin one was also terrible, which is actually run an Ethernet cable from that to my um, to an Apple uh, wireless router. That's what I do, <laughs> and just turn the turn the wireless off on the thing and just use it as a as a modem to access the internet. That's exactly what I do. I run a hard connection from the cable modem to my uh, uh, my Apple Time Machine. Yeah, um, no Extreme Airport, Airport Extreme. Uh, and then, of course, that has both Wi-Fi and it has an out, so you can plug directly into it with a computer so you've got a hardwired connection, and I did that yeah. to the iMac. So the iMac is a hardwired connection. Everything else is Wi-Fi, and it works fine. And when you're connected to the time capsule, time capsule, I keep saying that. I don't know why. Uh, when you connect so, it to yeah. uh, the airport, it's fine, but if I go and connect to... Number one, I turned off sharing on it, and I put a password on the cable wireless one. Yeah. And I renamed it DEA Surveillance Van. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anybody looking for open Wi-Fi networks, it's not open, but they'll see it. And it says DEA yeah. Surveillance Van. Um, <laughs> I don't connect anything through there anymore, but I was for a while. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Everything except for the video game consoles will connect through the Apple. Everything, you know, the video game consoles, the Xbox and the, you know, all those will go to the cable wireless DEA surveillance van. They had horrible times connecting all the time. I switch them back to the Apple. It's just fine. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know about what it's like there, but you, you know, you rent the cable box here, which yeah, to me, that's just, that should be cost of doing business for them. But they nickel and dime you to death. And they all do that. Yeah. When I cancelled the Virgin thing, they said, all right, we'll send you a box so you can send the equipment back to us. And it's like, well, okay, fine. You know, I don't really want it. And how many routers do you need? But the thing's like two years old. It's like, what are you going to do with it? Give it some other poor sucker? Yeah. Anybody else signing up, anybody else signing up for service would expect to get a new one. Mm -hmm. I guess they can keep them in for spares or something. But uh, I wouldn't want to have one that's been sat behind some of these TV coasting dust for two years. No, but they will. They'll do exactly that. Somebody else will get it. Let's take a quick break, David, when we come back. uh, Some more fun conversation. And we've got two uh, letters to read. We'll be right back. 
curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the NintendoClubPodcast.com website for more information. It is TechFan150. If you guys want to reach out to us, we'd appreciate it. We'll read your email right here on the show. If you do go to TechFanPodcast.com, there's a little pop-up on the right-hand side of our website. You can actually send us a voice message, so you don't even have to spend time typing something out. You can, boom, just record your voice. When you hit record, it'll ask for permission to uh, use the microphone in your computer. You say, okay, record your voice, hit send, and it lands in my mailbox, and we can put it right here on the show. No one's done that yet. Well, one person's done it. It probably works a lot better than Skype does when we record this show. Oh, my God. It'd have to. (laughs) Just by the... Anyways. um, One of the things that uh, is intriguing to me, David, is... And it's been going on since, hell, I've been covering Max, 1995. Is this rumor mill that surrounds the Apple universe. And it's uh, as vibrant as it's ever been. 9 to 5 Mac on their homepage right now, which will probably be knocked off the front page within you know a couple more hours, is uh, a gallery of supposedly the iPhone 6. Now it says, it's been updated, and it says these appear to be fake, but these kind of made the rounds over this last couple of days. And uh, yeah, does this surprise I, you that so many people are, look, I want a larger iPhone. I've been saying that for a couple of years now. I like the iPhone 5S that I have. I like the size of the screen, but I do want a bigger phone. I want a five inch phone. That's what I want. Yeah. Or 4.7, somewhere in there. Uh, you see, I... I think that yes, that view is colored by the way the phone market is in the States, which has a lot of Samsung who Samsung does a lot of big phones. And I and certainly you go to uh, the far East as I have, and everybody has big phones there. Yeah. So I, I suspect that the, the, from the media side that is being driven by some sort of view just from their own experience of the pent up demand for big phones. But, I'll tell you, in other places, here in Europe, people don't really go in for them. Uh, they are not popular here. They don't sell so well here. Um, and most of the time you see, you know, this is, I haven't got any market market evidence for this, but I just what I see from walking around, I see a lot of people with phones. I don't see people with a lot of big phones here. Um, so I, I think the thing is, is that I Apple has access to the market research and the market data. I think they have a better understanding of what people want. Oh, absolutely. And I, want, I wonder whether they see the market demand for a bigger phone in the way that, that people may perhaps think they do. So it wouldn't surprise me if the next iPhone is the same size as the iPhone 5S. Uh, I think these renderings are interesting because while, while they now have been saying they are apparently fake, they have been taken from somebody's p- potential design study and just kind of modified to make them look like fake shots. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the next iPhone looks kind of like this because it's riffing on the uh, the current design language for the iPads, you know, with the yep. very thin, thin bezel at the edges uh, and and kind of that sort of thing. It would not surprise me if they looked kind of like this. Um, 
so uh, so yeah that that's fine whether it will be a large i mean it does there are apple's been very careful to consider how developers develop their apps for these phones and and for these devices and they you know they've been they they play a lot of attention to how the ui works within the screen dimensions they don't just you know, randomly scale up things up and down like they android. think about like Android does, and it, you know, it's one of the the fragmentation is one of the problems that Android has. It's one of the reasons why Android tablets there's not many um, good tablet apps that that aren't more than just scaled up UI versions of the phone apps. Um, I think Apple is very aware of that, and I think they wouldn't change screen size lightly without thinking about what it's going to do to the number of pixels on the device and what that means for their UI. Um, and because of that, it may take them longer to to figure out how to do it than than perhaps people expect them to do. I think the iPhone uh, 6 will be a bigger screen. I think it's going to be significantly larger. I don't know if they're going to go all the way up to 5, but I got a feeling they're going to get damn close. Um I was hoping that for the 5S, but I really wasn't expecting it. Simply looking at their track record, the S version is just a slightly better version of the, you know, the standard numbered one. So in other words, the 5S is slightly better than the 5. The 4S was slightly better than the 4. The 3GS was slightly better than the 3. That sort of thing. Although there was really no iPhone 2. Well, I mean, what about... they, They could... They could kind of go the other way and actually take the iPad Air, uh, iPad Mini and put more phone functionality into that for people nah, who want. Too big. That's too big. Well, they're, they're gonna, they're, I, and look, and when I say they're going to have a bigger phone, I don't mean they're, they're going to abandon what they currently have. They're not. No, I, I don't. I don't think that either. But that, that's what I'm thinking. I, I could see, I could see somewhere in the lineup room for an iPod, an iPad Nano, that's actually more like the phone. Maybe smaller, slightly smaller than the Air, but rather than being the iPhone scaled up, it's actually the iPad scaled down. Maybe I could kind of see that too, but it's—I don't know. I think it's going to be iPhone. As popular as the iPad is, the iPhone is a much larger brand. It just is. Yeah. Anyways, interesting. We'll get to our feedback. We've got uh, two of them. We're going to read one from Eddie and one from Mike Breed uh, in a minute. In the meantime, David, it's kind of surprising that we're actually talking right now because uh, it is Valentine's Day as we record that. But that's not the reason that I wasn't almost here. The reason is Season 2, House of Cards on Netflix. <laughs> Do you know what? There is a, I heard somebody talking about this in the office this morning. Uh, and there is, a, there is a girl here tonight and her Valentine's Day evening with her and her boyfriend is they're going to sit down with a bottle of wine and they're going to plow through the whole of season two of house of cards yeah now that's and and when they were having this conversation so another of my colleagues said oh yeah i've already seen it it's great and yeah. <laughs> she went what what are you talking about it was only released this morning he said yeah i got up early i watched it at 6 a.m this morning wow <laughs> before he came to work <laughs> i watched the first episode and uh it's such a great series. Did you have you watched the first season? I ha- I haven't seen it. No, I'm not oh. a Netflix subscriber. So, but have you have you ever watched the original British version? No, because the, the British version was also pretty good. Well, um, this is better guy, than pretty good. Yeah. This is incredible. This is yeah. this is really really fantastic series. I mean, it's Kevin Spacey number one, and I've always liked Kevin Spacey, but the acting and the writing is just phenomenal. That now, uh, the guy who played um, the principal character in the British version, um, unfortunately, he's died now. Um, um, what was his 
I know Ian somebody I think he kind of had a catchphrase where he would he would look to the camera um, and um, he said something like um, something along the lines of saying uh, saying you might think that I couldn't possibly comment whenever basically somebody asks him something he doesn't want to admit to yeah where he's basically admitting he did it when in fact he wouldn't admit it does Kevin Spacey do that in this one he does yeah he turns to the camera quite a bit and yeah. talks and uh at least in the first series he did in the second first episode he doesn't do it at all and you're thinking what oh, maybe they dropped that until the very end and then he does it and it's just oh it's so right. brilliant but no you really should watch it if you uh become a netflix subscriber i don't know what the offerings are over there but there's another reason david and uh you probably saw this making the rounds yesterday Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 6, which they Mm -hmm. had halfway completed when Disney bought them and they basically canceled it from Cartoon Network and started working on the new show Rebels, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, looks good, too. Uh, They finally are going to release those episodes. There's 13 episodes, I believe, and 10 or 13, something like that. But they're releasing the entire series, including the Lost episodes, Season 6, on Netflix um, second week in March. First or second week in March. Mm-hmm. So there's another reason to get Netflix. Yeah. If they actually let you guys watch it in the UK. I know that... Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, House of Cards, for instance, is available on DVD now. So I could always grab it like that. Uh, you gotta. Well, here's the thing, though. You could binge watch it, subscribe for a month and a half, two months, whatever, and then unsubscribe when you're done watching it. A lot of people actually do that. Yeah, but you know, you know how it is. You you forget. You subscribe to something like that, and then you forget to unsubscribe. So. You know, I I I've been hearing on a lot of other podcasts, Hulu, um, Hulu Plus uh, advertises on a lot of podcasts, and I've been hearing their ads. So I finally decided, all right, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, give it a try. And I subscribed to the Hulu Plus, and I was extremely disappointed. I was expecting some kind of a Netflix type quality. Well, now, with Netflix, you get zero ads. Yeah. Now, with the regular Hulu, you get ads. But I thought, okay, but that's because I'm on the free Hulu side. Limited choice. They show the ads. That's Okay, I accept that. So I subscribe. Same cost, $7.99 for Hulu Plus as it is for Netflix. And I start watching a show, and I have to watch a commercial before it. And then they interrupt my show to show me two commercials. And then they do it again and then again. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm a paid subscriber and you're still showing me ads? And I did a little research. Sure enough, that's what they do. Um, I unsubscribed. Yeah. I went and said, nope, I'm done. And uh, I don't regret it a bit. It is a far inferior product than Netflix. It's not even close. They don't have that many choices. Now, they keep saying, oh, we've got full seasons of stuff. But they don't have full seasons of everything. And then they're, mm. you know, a couple weeks behind of what's actually showing on the television. Now, I can go to the Xfinity page, my Comcast page, and they have streaming a whole bunch of shows that just aired. So if you missed it last night, you can go to the Xfinity page and watch it there. They even have this section that says last night shows, Wednesday shows, Tuesday shows. And you can stream it right there on your computer. 
some of them do show you ads, but not as much as Hulu does. Yeah, I I don't I don't get it. Uh, I don't understand Hulu's business model, but they're gonna fail. <laughs> yeah. Plain and simple. I know that their whole focus was supposed to be on television, whereas Netflix is on movies. But if I'm gonna pay you extra to watch shows on your service, don't show me ads. It's as simple as that. You yeah, you would think that would be the trade-off, really. It should be the only trade-off. I mean, otherwise, why why bother? Anyways. Well, the, the problem is, is the studios and the, and the uh, the service providers they have this kind of delusion that their content is so great that you'll pay for it no matter what they do. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like the it always reminds me of the uh, you remember the old days of video tape where you had to sit through. Uh, you broke up there. Of, I didn't hear that. Video what? Uh, the the old days of videotape, where if you bought, oh, the, sure. uh, if you rent, you rented a videotape, you had to uh, sit through twenty minutes of, of adverts before you could watch the movie. And then when DVD came along, they tried to fix the DVD so you couldn't skip past those things. Yeah, you know. And it's like, well, why would you? Why would you not bother going to torrent it if that's what they're going to do to you? Well, they do even do that on uh, uh, on demand now with Comcast, but it's not Comcast's fault. You can fast forward through anything on on demand except anything that's from fox you can it says right on there we have disabled your pause and your fast forward capabilities during this program yeah. and it's only the fox stuff and i'm like screw you yeah it, it it's irritating and uh it, it really does tick me off i i hate that uh and i i don't on a, on a kind of a side note to that since when did pop-ups come back? Oh my have you God. noticed on Have you noticed on the internet now that do you remember there was a time when all the browsers built in a pop-up blocker because everyone hated pop-ups? Well, so much? they do pop-ups different now. It used to be a pop-up yeah. window. Now it's a pop-up yeah. within the same screen. It just exactly. covers all the content. But the point is, it's not that we didn't. It's not that we didn't like window pop-ups. We just didn't like pop-ups, and now. Apparently, everybody thinks it's okay to do pop-ups again. Well, you're not going to see them on MyMac.com. <laughs> you know, the other thing, and it goes along with the pop-ups, is the rollover. You're scrolling down. Yeah. Your cursor is stationary, but you're scrolling down You know, with either your arrow keys or your mouse rollerball, whatever, right? Yeah. And your cursor just happens to go over some text, and a video pops up. Yeah. Here, here's a message to all the advertisers out there. It's not working. And when I see it, I make sure I don't frequent your business. Yeah. And, and I'm starting to see banners on top of pages now that's, that say something like, Oh, we notice you're running, uh, cause you can get add ons like ad blocker and stuff like that. Plugins for your browser. Right. Oh, we notice you're running a, an ad blocking, um, plugin. Please, Please don't do that. We rely on these to keep our site up. And, and, and it's like, well, fine. If you can f figure out a way to make the advertising unobtrusive so I can see it without it destroying the reading experience, no problem. Yeah. But, you know, if it takes over the entire page, yeah, I'm not going to go there anymore. I've or been to some sites, and CNN was a, a, a really bad one. They still are. But I remember going to CNN once, and I'm right in the middle of this article, and I'm scrolling down, and the whole screen dims, the whole website. And it looks like this guy kind of pops out of the window. Even the text that was on there looks like it's page ripped now. And this guy pops up and starts talking to me. I immediately left the page. 
I was like, that's the most annoying ad I've ever seen in my life. It really is. And, you know, people used to kind of make fun of, um, oh, what was that movie with Tom Cruise uh, in the future? Yeah, I know. Well, that's I know like, yeah. Well, my first description is like half of his movies lately. Minority yeah. Report, wherever he walks, the ads are there and they're tailored to him. That's where we're at now when it comes to the Internet. But it's not just the Internet. At least here in the United States, there's so much crap on a screen now, you can't even see it. I've seen shows where they put the the rating to this program is rated TV 174 for RV and adult violence and all that kind of stuff where it completely covers an actor's face that's talking. And I thought how it'd be one thing if it was small up in the left-hand corner or the bottom right-hand corner. It's it's a quarter of the way on the screen and it's but the size of my hand. And it's blocking yeah. actors. And I thought, and it sits there for like 15, 20 seconds. It's, it's, it's such a disrespect to their own content that it just makes me wonder who's running these companies. Who's making these decisions? Is there no oversight? Is there nobody in any of these companies that say, no, you're not going to do that? It's, well, it's more than disrespect to their content. It's a disrespect to the viewer. Well, you know, they've always that, had a. They've they've never had respect for the viewer ever. Don't don't well, delude yourself. They've never ever cared about the actual viewer. Yeah, well, guess what? The viewers aren't there. Whole business model falls down. Well, that's happening. I mean, look at the major networks in the United States. I don't know what it's like in the UK or Europe, but in the United States, the main broadcasting companies ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, their numbers are dwindling to nothing. A hit show now would have been canceled ten years ago. It would have been an, an abysmal failure. But those shows are hits now because their audience is so much smaller. Because more people are streaming content, more people are going to the other cable na- uh, channels now, or they're playing video games, or they're browsing the internet. But they're, what they're not doing is watching Thursday Night Lineup on NBC. Mm. So it's happening. But rather than simply giving us better content to draw us back in, they're giving us the same sorry, sad shows. You know, another cop drama where they cut open bodies. Or this is the this is the cop show where people get raped every week. That kind of crap over and over and over. Instead of innovating, they give us the same crap. And now, to make it even worse, they're putting more crap on the screen so I can't even see it. It's frustrating and and tiring. And the quicker some of these business model dies, the better. They deserve it. They deserve everything that's happening to them. And that's why I don't have a lot of sympathy for them when they come out and complaining about BitTorrent sites and people downloading shows. Well, you know what? Too bad for you. All right. Enough ranting on my end. Let's uh, get to (laughs) our feedback. uh, We got two. One from Mike Breed. And he's a writer at MyMac.com, and he's an earth science teacher. And another one, I'm just going to call him Eddie. I'm not going to give any last names, and I told him I wouldn't. (laughs) And uh, that's because of what he writes. But let's start at the top, and uh, go ahead, David. This one's from Mike Breed. 
Okay, so uh, just listening to the latest tech fan podcast, know some misconceptions might be out there using about using sapphire crystals and technology. As an earth science teacher, I'm pretty fluent in mineralogy. 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 Yeah. So take, yeah. So taking about incorporating sapphires, talking about incorporating sapphires into iPhone screens is intriguing to me. Sapphire is a variety of mineral, mineral called corundum. Its basic formula is. AL203. So oh, hold on, let me write that oxide. down. That's a, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Uh, it's basically <laughs> aluminium oxide, which is AL203. Yes. Uh, aluminium. Aluminium. Uh, I think I think you'll find we discovered it. <laughs> Actually, so we get to name it aluminium. Aluminium. <laughs> Colony boy. <laughs> Tyrant. <laughs> there we go. That's right. Now we know exactly where we stand. That's right. At 9.0 on Mohs scale of hardness, it is the second hardest mineral on Earth. There are actually some ceramics that are a bit harder. Diamond is still four times harder than Sapphire 2, but I doubt that anyone could afford diamond screens in their technology. How cool would that be? I bet oh Apple God. would be the first one to do a diamond screen. Yeah, it would. they would have to go the same route that they're doing here and with the... You know, not the organic, not the natural sapphire, but the inorganic, the ones that they're they're creating themselves. That's the only way they could do diamond yeah. that way. Yeah. But that would be awesome. If, yeah. If you throw a little chromium into the sapphire mix, you get a ruby instead. It's still corundum, though. Want it to be green? Add some vanadium to the chromium and you'll get an emerald. It's still corundum. The typical blue coloration we associate with sapphires is due to the addition of a combination of titanium and iron to the mix. Sapphire can also be a number of other colors given the proper addition of elements. Sapphire is definitely hard stuff and is very scratch resistant. However, it's easy to confuse hardness with resistance to breaking. The hardness of sapphire comes with a price. It's also fairly brittle and can shatter. A single crystal of sapphire will shatter completely once a crack begins. Glass, on the other hand, is amorphous and the molecules are all jumbled up. Corning adds proprietary ingredients to glass with unusual match manufacturing techniques to get its different versions of Gorilla Glass. That makes Gorilla Glass much more resistant to scratch, scratching and shattering than normal glass. They're also working on developing low-glare and antimicrobial versions of Gorilla Glass. In a nutshell, I'm not so sure that an entire phone made out of a sapphire crystal will be durable enough to survive the typical drops and dings we put our phones through. Perhaps Apple has come up with additions to the crystals or perhaps even new manufacturing processes to alleviate this potential issue. I'm sure it would be cool if they were able to make that step forward material science. An all-glass phone would be beautiful to behold. At any rate, as a science teacher, I love hearing about the use of minerals such as sapphire in Apple's products. I, uh... It's great, Mike. I really appreciate that. You know, the thing is let's let's not forget this isn't mineral sapphire that we're talking about here with apple's products this is an artificial sapphire yeah i doubt we're going to learn for a while at least all the different things that apple and their partner and their partners are doing to make it a better sapphire crystal for these displays and, and for what the usage is of them, then you would find naturally. Yeah. And again, if they use natural crystals, <laughs> these things would be way too expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think Mike's right to say that, that it's, it's, uh, um, there's the manufact the way the stuff is manufactured is going to be as much a part of it as what it's made of. Um, just in the same way that you can temper, temper glass to make it, 
um, you know, high yep. high uh, high density safety glass by um, manufacturing it a different way by annealing it by heating up and cooling it down and that sort of thing to introduce internal strains and stresses into it to make it stronger. Um, you may be able to do something similar to this stuff to actually make it much more resistant to uh, to shattering. Obviously. Yeah, you you need to balance up the uh, the shatterproofness of it against the uh, scratch resistance. Yes, and I do like that uh, Corning is working on new Gorilla Glass, which is both uh, low glare and antimicrobial. Those are both things that I would like to see with Sapphire displays as well, especially the antimicrobial. That's man, I've seen some people using phones, and I look at the phones, and I'm like, did you pick your nose right before you started scrolling around there? Because Jesus. Yeah. Just disgust. I'm not talking about fingerprints. I'm talking about just, blah. I mean, it's disgusting. You're talking about yes, bodily bodily protein. I, you know, my kids play on the iPhones all the time, and their kids, so their hands are dirty half the time, and the screens get disgusting. And uh, I clean my iPhone screens and my iPads, and my you know Nexus Seven and the Kindle Fire, all those things. I I clean the screens quite a bit. I really do. I've got it kind of down to a science at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they are pretty disgusting. Uh, using they, they, a piece yeah, of glass, touching it all the time. Ugh. Yeah. I, I think, you know, going back to scratches and nicks and marks and that sort of thing, what's amazing with, with the, the phones nowadays is that the backlights are so powerful that you can really hide a multitude of sins once the phone's actually on. You a lot of the times, even if it's got quite bad scratches, you can't really see them while the um, yeah, it's when it's the screen's off. powered up. When it's only black. when it's off. Yep. I, I was trying, but I bought I bought a whole mess of um, Formac monitors. You did you have, have you ever had Formac stuff in the US? A company <sighs> called Formac. I think so. They're it sounds German, familiar. They're a German company. They 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 used to be sold sold by uh, people like Newer and OWC and and things like that. They were they were they kind of specialised in, in the name tells away for Mac in in Apple in products that look nice with Apple stuff. So I I really like their monitors. They do some very nice four four three uh, aspect ratio um, high high resolution professional grade lcd monitors and i picked up seven or eight of these from a, a kind of as a job lot from this this guy from <laughs> it went to this place it was like a it was like a where it was like a, a warehouse in the back of a lockup and it was really kind of shady and there was all this <laughs> nasty stuff piled up everywhere and he gave me these things and and you know i only paid like seven of these monitors without psus they were about about thirty dollars you know that was it was deep but they were a mess scratches and marks and a couple of them had pressure marks on the screens and all that sort of thing well i sorted through them all and i found two that two or three that had no pressure marks on but they still had some scratches so i cleaned them up and the scratches kind of faded you could still see them in the light but you know what when i'm using the monitors you just can't see them at all yeah and those are those aren't glass screens those are kind of like you know those the plastic displays that lcd used to have yep you know before this before you know the old um yeah. Power Max and and things before they start switching to glass glass fronts on them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm I'm looking at these and thinking, oh, you know, I've wasted my money here. These things are going to be useless, but they're not. Hmm. As long as you've got a good good powerful backlight in the back, you're uh, you're not going to see a lot of that. And definitely, some of that is true with uh, with iPhones and iPads, and yeah, you 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 can't even tell that it's scratched or mucked up because the light's kind of shining right through it. But when it's off, yeah. ugh, they look terrible. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> you, you, you ever see those people who who have a uh, they have an iPhone or something and the the screen's smashed to bits? Yeah, I mean it looks like somebody's fired a bullet into it. Yep. and they're still plugging away. Yep. You look at it, you think, God, dude, I, I saw that. Screen, you know, <laughs> I, I saw that all the time at the Mac store yeah. that I worked at. That people would come in and they'd have just completely shattered screens and it's still working because just the glass was broke. The LCD underneath it was fine. And they're yeah. using it. They're holding it up to their ear. And I'm like, oh, you're going to cut yourself here. Just stop it. Yeah. Uh, second bit of feedback before we wrap up the show. This one's from Eddie. I was listening to your latest tech fan podcast. When David was touting Microsoft Azure, I got the chills. LOL. I am the admin for Blackboard Transact at the college. Part of that is something called accounts. It enables the students to keep an online account for their stored value transactions, deposits, meal plans, etc. It worked perfect until Blackboard started using MS Azure. 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 Am I saying that right? I, I think I think it's Azure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Azure. I can't spell. I can't write. I can barely That's a read. That's say. <laughs> Uh, since then, it has been a horrible experience. Down a lot of the times, poor Blackboard is always causing problems. If this is their future, they better get the bugs out. Uh, uh, well, I think, yeah, I think that's the key point. Really, is that there's nothing inherently wrong with Azure. All Azure is is, a, is Windows running in the cloud. There's nothing inherently wrong with the platform. Right, but it's just it's just remote service you have to configure it install it and run it yourself and if the guys running blackboard have done a lousy job that's why it doesn't work properly it's not necessarily a problem with the platform itself i would actually agree with you there um yeah you know you're you're trying to marry some older technology to brand new web services and there's going to be problems it's just going to happen and uh you would hope that they would get the majority of the bugs worked out before they they push that down the line to you guys to use. But a lot of times that doesn't happen. And quite honestly, when it comes to that type of work, they don't know what the bugs are going to be until they actually roll it out live. Because if there's one thing that I found is people use technology differently from company to company, even within the same company from department to department, the comp uh, group a is using it more as online storage. Whereas Group B is trying to sync databases, and, and Group C, that's where their exchange server is. You know, everyone does things a little bit different, and it's really hard for the Q&A people to really get in there and test it in all the different configurations that's out there in the wild. And the only way they're going to be able to fix it is to actually push it out live and see what happens. And unfortunately, it sounds like you're on the down end of that where you're seeing all the problems. Hopefully, there's a way for you to communicate this back to the developers so that they can work out these bugs. But yeah, that's just the way technology kind of works, unfortunately. Well, yeah, that's not to say. I mean, you know, these cloud platforms themselves can sometimes have problems, but that's that's more of a rarity. Yep. Since we moved to um, Office 365 for our email, so all our exchange for the company now is is up in Microsoft servers. Uh -huh. It's been it's been down more since we did that than it was probably for the last five years, because Office 365 has had some glitches and bugs, which is kind of disappointing because you think that Microsoft will be better than that. So it can be swings and roundabouts, but at least, um, you know, you can pick up the phone and shout at somebody when it goes down, whereas if it's just your IT guy and you're struggling to fix it, you can't really shout at him. True. <laughs> I was kind of surprised we didn't get any feedback about me calling uh, Steve Wozniak crazy. 
Yeah, well, I guess everyone agrees with you. <laughs> or they agreed with you and and figure that you sufficiently smacked me down so they didn't have to. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking about buying an Apple II. Why? I just want to see what it's like. It what sucks. It? it sucks, really. <laughs> well, it was great in 77, but, you know, we're, it's 2014. It pretty much sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an it, Apple II. It, I mean, what do you? It sucks. Can I? Do you think I can connect, connect it to the internet? You know what? <laughs> you probably can actually. Um, yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Because you could use a modem with a uh, with an Apple II. They have. You know those. what? I don't. I don't think I have a phone line in my house now that will work with a modem. No, because you're all digital now. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you did, what are you going to connect? What are you going to call into? There, you there's modem dial-up service still in your area oh isn't prodigy still going oh my god probably so is CompuServe for all i know <laughs> CompuServe, yeah that'll be it that's <laughs> CompuServe through text you, interface you, you, okay. yeah you'll do that and connect to alta vista do a a search um <laughs> wow yeah no actually you probably can but why if any if anyone listening to this has an Apple II. Don't send it to David. Why, why no, I should buy no, one. Don't. No, no, not asking you to send me one. I'm saying if you think can think of a good reason why I should buy one and what I would do with it, let me know. And those who think he's foolish and shouldn't buy one can send that list to me. <laughs> uh, why, though? I mean, what you don't have enough to do. Is that what it is? You're bored? I, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Get, get a freaking hobby. <laughs> That is the whole Subscribe thing. to That's Netflix and start watching some good shows. There's a new That's Star Wars coming out. <laughs> oh man! So, all right. so, so you're all right. Okay, so here, so you, you, you telling me that I shouldn't buy an Apple II, Correct. and I will say, you might think that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> don't, don't, don't buy one. <laughs> you might think that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to wrap up this House of Cards episode of Tech Fan. If you guys want to send us feedback, send it to Tim at TechFanPodcast.com. That'll come directly to me. Or uh, go to Prodigy and <laughs> send me an email at A217654 at Prodigy.com. Or you could send it to David at TechFan.com. That's a. Uh... An apple too. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, I, was... I could get the apple too. I could watch House of Hypercard. Hypercard. That's about right. No, that would be a Mac though. Did they have yeah. Hypercard for? No, that was I... a Mac thing. I don't know. Yeah, that was a Mac. That was an early Mac program that you could use, which begat the internet, basically. <laughs> All right, we're wrapping this one up. See you guys next week.